This is Susanna McMonagall, and you're listening to the 5 to 8 Shift Podcast. We are so glad that you decided to check us out. The 5 to 8 Shift Podcast exists to encourage, educate, and inspire parents throughout their own parenthood and family life adventure. We know parenting can be tough. I am not trying to sugarcoat it. But few worthwhile things in life come without some sweat and some hard work. And family life is worth every ounce of effort. We're building a community of parents to remind you that you're not alone and we are thrilled that you're here. Each month we highlight stories from our parent community and share the latest research and tips to help families thrive. If you like what you hear today, make sure you subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. I believe family is one of life's greatest adventures, and I am so excited to chat with you today. I look forward to cheering you on in your own five to eight shift. It's the most important shift of the day. Hey guys, this is Susanna. Welcome to another episode of the five to eight shift. I am so thrilled that you're here. I'm excited that you're taking a couple minutes out of your week to spend with me and um, to invest in yourself and your and your family life. And so I have a really kind of a little bit different episode today, but um, one that I'm excited about, one that I've sort of been thinking about for a while and I finally made it happen. So this episode is actually gonna be my first episode that I am talking with more than someone and they are not parents. So obviously as a parenting podcast, I tend to talk to people who have experience um, parenting and that sort of thing. But I had this great idea to interview some of my students at Eastern University. So these are all, you know, 18 to 22 year olds, 23 year olds. And I, you know, as my life, I spend my days with little people, five year old, two year old. Kyler is seven months now. And then, you know, at work, I spend my day with 20-year-olds, 21-year-olds, 18-year-olds. And so I get to see really what I would call both sides of sort of the adolescent spectrum, if you will. So I thought, wouldn't it be interesting to get um, a perspective on parenthood from um, the kids themselves? And of course, they're not kids. They're young adults. And so I have an upper-level class, a social media and organizations class that I'm teaching this semester. And the students are fantastic. They have a great camaraderie amongst themselves. And so we have excellent conversations. And they all come to class and they all do their homework assignments. And it's just lovely from a professor's standpoint. And so I kind of gave an open call that I was thinking about doing a podcast episode and... I titled it, um, Things I Wish My Parents Knew. And so I got a handful of students who responded, and we had a great conversation. I mean, we did this, you know, on a Tuesday night, and I felt like they and I could have talked for a whole nother hour because they just um, were so willing to share their experiences. And I think as parents, they're going to give us a lot of things to reflect on. And so, you know, one of the main things I'm reflecting on after my conversation with them. So I had five students, um, three young men and two women. So their names are Claudia and Morgan are the girls who participated. And then I have three boys, Millen, um, Steven, I call him Steve, and Daryl. So those are the five. If you get on my Instagram, they have, I put their pictures in. They were very excited about that. They submitted the pictures themselves. So I decided to go with what they gave me and, um, You know, when I reflect on our conversation as a parent myself, what I found myself thinking about was this idea that I think as parents, we can get into the weeds sometimes. So we're worried about 
We're worried about things like, oh, I've packed my kid the same lunch for 10 days in a row and, you know, they're going to be so upset with me or like I didn't get the perfect Easter outfit or they need to learn this responsibility when they're eight years old because it's, you know, they're going to turn out terrible if they don't. And I think what I have found myself reflecting on after this conversation is this idea that like your kids turn out as a result of your entire body of work as a parent if you will so it's this idea that like you can have one bad day you can have you know a bad season or a season where work is really you know really taking a front stage for a big project or something like that but really the the students shared you know things in their lives that like over a cumulative period of time it really added up so this idea that you know with each um, learning experience trying to teach your kids value you're sort of putting money in the bank and then at the end of you know 18 years when they head off to college they have all these deposits that you've made over the years that help them become the person um, they're meant to be who God created them to be and it's really exciting and so I think you know as a mom of young kids I'm worried about you know should we get only organic baby food and should we do blah 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 and is Callan you know getting enough exercise and really it's a big picture and so I want to encourage um, those of you today who are maybe getting in the weeds with something that's you know just not important I try to find I try to ask myself you know if I'm really like stressed about something I try to tell myself is it going to matter in five days five weeks five months or five years And maybe it'll matter in five days and maybe it'll matter in five weeks, but it almost definitely never matters in five months or five years. So, you know, when I think about um, this conversation, I think there are some great takeaways. So with that said, I want to transition into the interview itself. So I hope you guys enjoy this as much as I did. They are seriously they are seriously some great, great students. So um, I had a lot of fun. We laughed a lot and it was a pleasure to interview them and I think you'll enjoy it too. So unfortunately, when I was doing this focus group um, podcast interview, the recording wasn't working in the beginning. So the first question I posed to the students was this, what is one thing your parents really worried about, about the student, you know, about all of them? What is one thing your parent really worried about that they just didn't need to and tell us why? And so Claudia fields this question first. So I'm going to drop you into the interview. Thanks so much for being here. You guys have a great day. That my mom worries about is her children behind the wheel. Mm -hmm. Um, In high school, I was not allowed to drive my school until the last month of my junior year. I wasn't allowed to drive on highways or back roads. I couldn't have music playing in the car. I couldn't drive other people. If it was dark out, they were hesitant. Um, If it was a Friday or Saturday night, they were very hesitant. Smell, forget it. Um, Driving (laughs) is certainly a dangerous endeavor. And I recognize that though instilling fear in your emerging adult children, whether intentional or unintentional, is far from keeping them safe. The practice of defensive driving takes what I call courageous consciousness. This is a term that I've kind of come up with. I like that. Um, Having keen awareness of your surroundings rather than living in fear while driving. Because of all the passive comments and the extensive restrictions, um, I can find myself having anxiety when driving rather than having focus and discernment. Hmm. Um, An anxious driver is a dangerous. 
Um, I'm not saying not to worry about your children driving. It, I get it. It, it is scary. Yeah. Um, there are crazy people on the roads. The thing that I'm trying to get across here, though, is making sure you provide the right mindset for your children when they are learning to drive. Um, if you trust them, they're more likely to trust you. Um, of course, be realistic. Uh, don't sugarcoat it and you know, tell them that there's no risk in driving when there certainly is. Yeah. Um, instead, tra instead, train them strategically in both the act of driving and also the mindset of driving. Um, before you know it, they'll be moved out of the house <laughs> um, with a job and their own car, and you can't like control every move that they make. Um, they will be driving to their various destinations, and you will just have to trust God's provision in that and just say <laughs> in your head, Jesus, take the wheel. <laughs> Literally and figuratively, yes. So you said you were able to drive the last month of your junior year. So how long, how long had you had your license at that point? Or that's, a, so, that's when you were finally allowed yeah. to use the highway. No, I wasn't allowed to use the highway until sophomore of my year of college. Um, yes. Yeah, so um, I have to take I-95 to get from Newark, Delaware to St. David's, Pennsylvania. Yeah. Um, and uh, my parents specifically my mother is uh, very afraid of I-95. And um, when I, the car, my, like when I first was allowed to have the car on campus, um, sophomore year, uh, my mom had my dad uh, drive with me as practice. Um, it was quite an ordeal, let me tell you. Um, Were you yourself nervous? So the point? thing... So the thing though, is, um, I, I have a lot of willpower <laughs> not a lot of people have that. So I kind of, you know, trained myself to think a certain way. I'm like, I am, yeah. I am aware. I am also, my dad was the one who would sit with me in the car. Never my mom. My mom was the one who was laying out the rules. My dad was the one training me. <laughs> um, so, you know, my dad is a very, was a very good driving instructor, um, and was very calm and collected and that kind of thing. Um, though the comments that I would always get from my mom, like that kind of thing were very just degrading. And it, it, then when I would go behind the wheel, I would feel that nervousness and that kind of thing when I think, and like yeah. I said, an anxious driver is, is a dangerous driver. Um, I know my, my grandmother is an anxious driver and has, you know, at this point is, is refusing to, <laughs> to drive her stick shift red beetle. Um, <laughs> so you know what I mean? So it's just, yeah, um, you know what I mean? So I I've kind of had to tell myself over and over, like not to think about what she says and rather, um, create a new mindset for myself with courageous consciousness, um, yeah. on the road. <laughs> you know, one of the things I read on, um, social media recently was the things that you say to your child become their inner voice. And so mm. be careful. I see that so much. <laughs> So it's like, we're trying That's to, true. you know, build you guys up and all of these things, but then some of the other things are also like sort of infiltrating too. Like when we get really nervous about driver's license or big things. And I think you raise a good point about, you know, kind of taking some calculated risk as a, a parent with a driver's license mm. and, and not trying to, um, you know, navigate that process or like helicopter that process too much. And Last question before I let somebody else jump in. Um, and are you a good driver? I think I'm a good driver. I do. Um, 
Uh, Millen has written with me many a time. I think he's probably the be better one to ask. Okay. Um, Millen is Millen Claudia a good driver. Do you feel safe with Claudia Millen? Oh, most of the time, I feel safe. Yes, <laughs> most <laughs> most of the time. I can I can second that. Claudia is a good driver most of the time. <laughs> okay. All right. So your your friends are giving you. A plus there, Claudia. Good. You know, I, I have to imagine that letting your kid behind the wheel is like a very nerve wracking process as a parent. You know, not only are they just like operating a vehicle, but you're like letting them go into the world. And so it's like all these mm -hmm. layers upon layers. Absolutely. Yeah. And I recognize that for sure. And uh, I'm someone that, you know, is definitely aware of, yeah. you know, how my parents feel and that kind of thing. Also, they make it very evident to me. They don't, you know, they're very, uh, you know, transparent with how they feel on certain things. Mm -hmm. Um, so I do understand that. And I know it is all because they love me, right. They, they value, they want me to come home alive, you know, from driving and yeah. that kind of thing. And that is something that I truly recognize. I think it can be quite suffocating though, or getting in the car after being, loaded with comments and, and yeah. charges and you're now ready to drive to school on 995 yeah. um, and it can be uh, too much to think about yeah yeah absolutely good all right um somebody else uh jump in here what is something that your parents worry about that in your opinion they just really don't need to so i mean just kind of just kind of Claudia got my brain thinking a little bit. I don't have a specific thing that my parents worried about. My parents okay. are actually very different from one another. And uh, my, my father kind of had this my mentality that like, if there's no news, it's good news. Like if, <laughs> if nothing happened, I, if nothing's happening, like I'm not going to hear about it. When my mom, on the other hand, uh, she was like, she is a total like worry wart about everything. Like, calling me to make sure I get to my friends. Okay. Um, making, if I go out to dinner with my, my friends, making sure I didn't have like anything that would have, uh, that I'd have an allergic reaction to. <laughs> um, the only thing that I would like that I've tried to, um, come across to my mom with is like, not to worry yourself about and like about nothing. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, she kind of was just worrying herself into this hole and and, um, I mean, obviously it's tough as a parent, like sure. giving your kid their first car and them going out on their own and, yeah. um, even sending them off to college. Like my mom bawled her eyes out and my mom was, my dad was kind of like kicking me out the door, like get out of here. <laughs> uh, so it was kind of, it, it's a, yeah, it's a, it's a funny, it was a funny situation, but, um, that like, when there's nothing to worry about yeah. and things are okay, like, yeah, you should have like in the back of your head, uh, making sure that everything is okay yeah. and making sure nothing has went wrong. Yeah. But at the same time, like it could mess up you with your psyche if you're constantly worrying about your kid. And, and then if you're constantly worrying about your kid, you're going to have a tight, tight, tight grasp on them. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and sometimes, uh, if it is a little mistake and somebody does get a little bit hurt, I mean, sometimes mistakes sure. make people learn. Absolutely. They just had to learn the hard way that in that particular. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think that's a great point because, you know, one of the things I always say is 
don't worry about things out of your control. I mean, there's things that we can control yeah. that we can worry about. Like, you know, I can worry about getting up when my first alarm goes off, but like, I can't worry about like literally what the weather is going to be tomorrow and some things with your kids. I think, I think that's a good point because you just want your kids exactly. to sort of make good choices and turn into good people and be contributing members of society. But you know, some of that is, that's on you. That's on you guys. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Responsibility. At the end of the day, we can, at the end of the day, we are only in control of so much. And the only thing that we really can control is how we react to certain situations. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Good. Um, anybody else want to jump in on this one or should I move to the next question? I'll jump in. All right, Daryl, what you got? All right. My name is Daryl Mackey. And the biggest thing that my parents worry about is college workload. So, so the reason why I'm saying college workload is because since I've been here for three years now here at Eastern um, as a junior, soon to be a senior, um, college has been very, very difficult at times okay. when it comes down to work. But knowing how I usually operate, I'm the type of person that We'll try and finish it a couple of days before or probably a week before uh -huh. the due date. So every time when I meet my parents or talk to them, they wonder if college workload is too much for you. Do you need a break? Do you need to take a semester off? And I say, <laughs> no, we can definitely just go for it. Because, I got this. You know, like we can definitely go for this uh, regardless of what I score on tests or papers, I'll just never give up at that at all. Because one, the reason why they're worried is because in my family, I don't really have uh, anybody that has graduated a four-year college at all. So they, so they don't want to put too much pressure on me to see, oh, you can be the first. But knowing that I managed to make it this far. <laughs> now they expect you to kind of make it to the end. <laughs> like they they, they kind of expect it, but they're okay. not pushing too heavily for it because they know I can do it. You so, can do it. Now, so, do you think part of that comes from, you know, like when you're a parent and you have a high schooler, like you can help that high schooler, like manage everything. Like you can be on top of their grades. You can probably email their teacher if they want to. And then all of a sudden mm -hmm. it's like, poof, go do your own thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a constant disconnect, but the fact yeah. that I am close to home, mm -hmm. I can actually knock out this work much easier compared to high school because high school, I just go to each class after each period. And when the yeah. last bell happens, I just want to go home and rest. Like I just <laughs> want to sleep. So this time I have to switch it up yeah. by not sleeping so early or laying in bed. And I think a lot of that stems off of the great teachers I've had. Um, like yours truly. Yeah, like, yeah, <laughs> you know, you, Dr. Morgan, Dr. Hatch, Dr. Jung. Um, try. Yeah, comm majors have just been helping me out too. Good. I'm glad that I met all these people that are in this room right now. And uh, I just plan on keep going, Good. you know? Good. Yeah. You know, I do think for a lot of students in college, something just clicks, 
you know, either it's your, it's your ambition, whatever dream you have, you know, that who you want to be or what you want to do or who you want to impact. But to your point, Daryl, too, it's like, you've made it this far, like, gosh, darn it, I'm going to finish it. Like, you better believe I'm going to be at graduation next year. Um, Whereas in high school, I feel like the responsibility, well, you guys tell me in high school, do you feel like parents feel like the responsibility is shared? Like, you know, like, I feel like parents are much more involved in high school. And then do you feel like because in college, the responsibility is really on you guys? Um, do you think that can be a hard transition for parents? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Definitely. I think it can be for sure. And I think what I saw for me is I slowly transitioned in high school, if that makes sense. So my parents kind of were, you know, invested in middle school. I was very distracted. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm a creative person. So I'm constantly, you know, coming up with ideas and yeah, doing one thing from the other and that kind of thing. So once I was in high school and I was um, starting to get more disciplined and that kind of thing, they were slowly inching away almost to the point where once I got to college, it was like, it, I was ready for it. If that made sense. I feel like they did a good job in that sense. Yeah. That sounds like an excellent transition. Unfortunately, I feel like a lot of parents are like very helicoptery, and the transition can be a little rough. Yeah, yeah I mean, oh, sorry. Go sorry, ahead, Morgan. Go ahead. Okay. Um, I think it also depends on the type of child you have. Like each child you have is different. So for me, I've always been super independent, and like just I just did my work. Like my parents only helped me in elementary school, but like in middle and high school, I was really independent. But my sister, on the other hand is very like she has ADHD and so she gets very distracted easily mm-hmm. and especially with online school my parents have to hone in on her and make sure she's doing her work yeah and I also think that with like online school I think parents are like now seeing what their child does all the time and that might even be a harder tra- that could be a harder transition to college because like they were so used to yeah. being in control of their like child for this year that all of a sudden it's going to be really different yeah, that's an excellent point. They're like even yeah. more involved for better or worse. I would say probably not better, but um, yeah, good point. Very good point. All right. I wanted to circle back to a conversation that we were having in class about um, social media, internet access as, you know, I'm calling them young teen or, or a lot of people kind of put them as like early teen, the 11 to 14 year old category. And I can remember a couple of the things that you guys said, but I thought it was such a compelling um, conversation that we had about how social media sort of impacted you guys and your relationship with it and all of these things. So one of the things I put back, um, I put in these questions here is looking back, would you give yourself media access at the same age? Um, Why or why not? And like, like, tell us a little bit, like how old you were when you got social media access, what role did your parents play? And then like, is that how you would have it play out? You know, again, did you think that was good timing, bad timing, not bad timing, but like, like some of you were saying, like my parents literally didn't know what was going on. Like share some of that with us. Whoever wants to Uh, go ahead, Steve. Just, just from personal experience. um, I mean, I can't speak for everybody here, but I, I mean, my parents kind of just let me go free range with social media and online stuff. Uh, not because, uh, I mean, they were okay with it. I don't, I just don't think that they understood the space at all. Yeah. Um, but just looking back on 
my experience from a young age having it, I felt like I had, um, because I had it so early, I got that experience of the space early on. Mm -hmm. And I got the, uh, I guess I kind of, uh, like you were saying you were like the first one in your friend group. Yeah, exactly. So like, I was the first one, like going to like lunch, like (laughs) recess in sixth grade and like middle school and like showing all my friends Snapchat and all these things that are going on. And, uh, yeah. And I mean, I felt like I was, I was ahead of the learning curve and it made me mature into the space sooner. So like now I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm way out of the the phase where I feel like everybody kind of goes through a phase where they, uh, look at other people's stuff and they become jealous and they judge themselves harshly because of, I mean, everybody's, everybody's profile is basically a highlight reel. Yeah. And I feel like I experienced that early on and I saw that and now I'm kind of, I'm using social media more as like opportunity bases and, and connecting with people, not so much trying to show everybody what I have, because that's really not what it should be used for. Yeah. Um, if I were a parent and I had a kid and they had technology and social media and I knew what was going on, honestly, I feel like I would let them, I'd let them experience themselves. I would, I would like oversee a little bit uh, because there definitely are some things that uh, questionable. Yeah. An 11 to 14 year old uh, should not be seeing, but at the same time uh, it is a world that they're going to be in. So, uh, I mean, however harsh the content is, it's kind of, it's, I mean, it's eye opening to the world, you know, it's yeah. like if people get put into a room and they don't see, um, the bed of the world and they just go on thinking the world is only good. Yeah. It's going to be a real slap in the face one day when they realize it's not all rainbow and sunshine. Yeah. And I think that is, I, I think you make an excellent point because you can go so far the other way where you're sheltering your child so much. I mean, I've, mm-hmm. none of you guys, but I've seen students come to Eastern who have lived in a pretty good bubble and they, they don't do well when they have unfettered access to everything because they really haven't been taught the skills on how to like, like even just like self-control with like, don't spend three hours on Instagram every day, you know? Um, but you know, it's hard to know when to start, where to start, how much to check in, how much to let kids do their own thing. So, um, I think that's good. Somebody else, um, you know, I know some of you guys shared some things in class. Yeah. Uh, so Steve made some really good points. I'd say I was, I probably grew up the opposite though, of what Steve has said. So okay, tell us. For me, for me, I didn't really have access to social media until my later years of high school. So okay. I had a I had my first phone, like probably my freshman year of high school. And that was like a Windows phone, which they don't make anymore. (laughs) So this phone didn't have like hardly any apps. So I basically didn't look at social media until around my junior year when I got an iPhone. Okay. Even then it was like Snapchat and then Instagram my senior year. Okay. I felt like for me, it was a good system, a good way of doing things because it was more of an incremental steps forward and diving into the social media world. Mm -hmm. And of course, like, like everyone else, I've always had those like fear of missing out types of moments here and there, Yeah. but it wasn't as extreme and I felt prepared to handle it and, and mature enough to handle it. Yeah. And I would say if I were a parent and I had a son or daughter, I'd probably 
lean toward doing that cut type of method. And I'm like me thinking about it now, it probably would be a little bit unrealistic to wait that long and just because of how fast everything's moving. It would be but, tough. Yeah. But I would say one thing I'd probably do is educate my children a lot sooner about it and and just see like what decisions they make and give them advice about it and not be as overbearing because my parents weren't that overbearing about it. And I think I handle it better that way. Okay. So, so you said like, like you had some FOMO, but you can appreciate it now, but like, did you appreciate it then? Like when you were in seventh grade or eighth grade and most of your friends had access to some of these things, were you feeling left out or were you able to sort of navigate that? Cause you know, of course we can see things in hindsight, right? But like your seventh grade self, like, were you like, what was your, um, how were you feeling about that? Like with your peers? So I actually, I didn't feel left out because I felt like I was involved in a lot of things, especially athletic things. Okay. So I was a pretty good, like competitive swimmer back then. So I felt like if anything, people would always come to me and try to like hang out with me a lot of times. Okay. And no, I didn't understand why, but now I, of course, now I know, cause they're like, Oh, he's a good swimmer, all this stuff. So I felt like I was always having fun with friends that way. And I wasn't really centered around online videos and funny things on a social media streaming device like it is now. So I actually didn't really feel like I was missing out too much. And the only, like what really pushed me to get it more so was my sister like saying, oh, you should get it, you should get this. And and so I eventually caved in like my senior year of high school, which (laughs) I don't, I don't regret, I don't think I regret it. I think it's good to experience new things. So uh, yeah, that's what I'd like to say about that probably. Okay. All right. Good. Um, Someone else. Yeah, I think so. I was also an Instagram hipster like Steve. Um, I was the one who got everyone to jump on the trend. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I it was 2012 when I first downloaded Instagram, and Instagram looks completely different um, in 2021 than it did in 2012. Yeah. Um, and I think that played a big role. Um, so my dad actually um, monitored my Instagram even back then. Um, so so he, in two, in I was 12 in oh. 2012. Yes, oh. I'm a 2000 baby. <laughs> um, so my dad would just look at my follow requests and he would approve them for me. So my account was private and he would see who was asking to follow me and I would tell them how I knew them. And he would be like, all right, sounds good. Like almost never would he say like, you know, oh no, this person, like I didn't really have sketchy. There weren't sketchy people like they are now. There were a lot less anyway. <laughs> that, yeah, there were a lot less because there were just less users. Yeah. And so I say um, the advice that I would give parents um, with children social media, I'd say just um, be vigilant about their activity. Um, and I feel like as technology rises, they might actually create more tools by the time that we become parents, um, be yeah. able to monitor. Um, like I was talking about in class about messenger kids on Facebook. Yeah. Um, you know, kids being able to have some fun and like send each other, you know, fun filter selfies, but you know, with their parents, you know, being able to oversee it, um, educate them about impersonators. Um, viruses. Um, these are all things that are really important to educate your kids about um, so that they can be able to recognize them and avoid them. Um, tell them that once something's on the internet, it's there forever. Um, you know, some, a lot of kids don't know that. 
Um, it's that's there a, forever and ever. Amen. Point, I think. That's yeah, that a is a point. point. Um, and forever even doesn't I knew seem that. that long when you're 12. No, yeah. it's there forever. <laughs> and so like every yeah, action no. that you make online is going to be there forever. Um, and it'd come back to bite you. Um, and I think if we educate children on these things about the dangers and the things that we should look out for, um, we can then give them the autonomy that they want. Um, mm-hmm. Because if you're educating them about the internet and social media and reminding, like we can, you know, also remind them about other pleasures of life, right? Like playing outside and <laughs> reading books and things like that. Totally. Um, go, go on family field trips. This is what I did when I was growing up. I went to the museums. I went to the zoo. I went to big cities and I went hiking, like that kind of thing to the point where I didn't crave social media and that kind of thing. And I needed to be on it because my family was so active and we just had, we're, we're planners, right? My parents were in the military. So they're like, all right, we're going to plan things a year in advance and we're going to do this and we're going to have mandatory fun. (laughs) So (laughs) How do, how do the rest of you guys feel about mandatory fun? Because I feel like <laughs> in the moment, there's a lot of whining and moaning. And then like five years later, you're like, oh, mom, thanks for taking me to the museum. That was so fun. Like, is that real? Or is am I just making that up in my head? Me and Claudia. Nah, mandatory fun is, um, is cool. Okay. Honestly, looking back, I didn't have enough mandatory fun. Okay. We kind of had a uh, haphazard fun. Okay, right. that's good feedback. Yeah, mandatory. Daryl, what were you gonna say? I didn't mind mandatory, but I know that my parents put me into like since I was a quiet kid, and like I didn't talk as much. They made me go and do karate, baseball, soccer. Okay. Soccer is a pain, but <laughs> anything. And then they made me go to basketball camp, Sixers basketball camp, and. That was that was an eventful time. It was really fun. I think that what made me who I am today, because I was away from social media around that time, and then also what also made me get a little bit closer to social media was when I transferred from public school to Catholic school, okay. like going from fifth to sixth grade. Okay. And at the time, I had like a flip phone. So I wasn't really connected until I had an iPhone 5, I think. I think that's the one. They all look the same, just about. But <laughs> they do. At one point, they did, yeah. Yeah, so um, I was more entertained with sports. I did not care about politics. I did not care about anybody's problems. I just wanted to look at sports. And if it's not anybody's problems, it has to be, I have to look at how my parents are doing at that time. And since all the attention wasn't towards me because I was a younger sibling, I could basically go around freely, but I'm still managed myself because I know that from experiences, social media can either hurt you or be a good thing, you know? Yeah, absolutely. The last thing, sorry to interject. No, no. I think would uh for parents to like be adept to is like sticking with the new stuff because i remember when facebook first came out like my dad had no idea like he couldn't even conceptualize what it was really (laughs) and like 
I remember I was sitting there showing him and like trying to explain it to him. And I'm like in seventh and eighth grade. And like, there's an entire world at my fingertips. And I don't think that he understood that. Maybe if he did understand that there was an entire world at my fingertips, maybe he wouldn't have been so like, oh, cool. That's fun. Like have, go do your thing. Yeah. Well, and I think your dad is not alone. I mean, I would argue at that point, 50% 50% of parents were just like kind of yeah. shooting from the hip with some of this stuff. Yeah, yeah exactly. Also, that kind of ties into like, I feel like my story with Go social ahead, Morgan. Yeah, I feel like my parents had no idea what Instagram was. And that's the first social media I got. I was okay. like 11. It was like 2012, too. I'm like a year younger than Claudia. Okay. And like, I think 11, I'm like, oh my gosh, I was like a baby when I got it and like had no idea the world that I was like being exposed to. Yeah. And I really got it. And I literally had no idea what it was either. My friends were just like, there's this new app, Instagram. It's so cool. And so I got it and I didn't post anything. I don't even think I had a profile picture for like months because I literally had no idea what it was. Um, And then slowly like I got into it and it was really like harmless at first. I feel like I didn't see any like adverse effects because it was so new, like Claudia said. Um, but at the same time, like my, my dad's like pretty, he's like knows a lot of things about like social media and just everything in general. But that was just one thing that he like hadn't known yet. And I think that I don't think they would have let me get it if they actually knew what it like could hold and they wouldn't let me get snapchat once they figured out what that was so like they did have like (laughs) knowledge of that but they just didn't have instagram Mm -hmm. but instagram is still the social media platform i use the most today and i think that it's definitely like people are talking about like fomo like fear of missing out like i think that has played a lot into it i definitely like have had that at points like you see pictures of who you think your friends are and they're with other people and then you're like wait but like why wasn't i invited and there might be a deeper story behind it that you just don't know. Yeah. But that's not clear on. Yeah. You're not going to know. You just know you weren't invited. Yeah. And <laughs> my parents got cracked down on it as I got older with my siblings, my younger siblings. Yes. Because they figured out what it was. But with me, I had already had it for so long that it's like they can't like take it away once I've already been exposed. Um, and that's so, true. I mean, like, I guess you could, but I. I probably would have just gotten again somehow, you know, I just like, I feel like if you try to restrict something you've already given them permission to do, that's really, really hard. That's so um, and it's hard. more about educating. Like I think at that point, yeah, it's really, really hard. And everybody wants what they can't have. <laughs> that's part of the problem, right? It's, it's <laughs> not that we, it's not that like young people really think they need it. It's just that you tell me I can't have it. So therefore I want it right exactly (laughs) that was that was me as a kid yeah it's just the nature of (laughs) being human right um okay so I want to transition to um two more questions definitely all right and so one of the things one of my um and you guys know this because I've talked about this podcast in class but like I, you know, my podcast is called the five to eight shift. And it's this idea of being present when you're home with your family at night. So there's working parents, there's parents that stay at home, there's parents that do all kinds of things. And so for me, it's not about quantity of time you spend with your family, but like quality of time. Like if you say you're going to have dinner, you have dinner. And I would argue that my generation, we are very distracted. 
And so, you know, I mean, an Apple watch is like a perfect example. Like you're just always like, you're talking to me and I'm listening and I'm just like this. And so I, you know, and I'm saying that about myself too. And people I hang around with, like, we're just so distracted. We're trying to do all these things. And I really worry that that's what our kids are going to remember about us. And that's something they see. So, um, I'm worried that kids today are being raised by distracted parents. How would your own parents fall in this category or maybe other parents that you know or love like aunts and uncles um, or other sort of adults that you've kind of hung around with like in the last five years? Where would you guys put people on that continuum? Yeah, I can speak on this. All right. Um, Yeah, so I grew up with two working parents. Um, and there were a lot of people and unfortunately a lot in the church, um, that disapproved of this and, um, you know, judge it, you know, obviously, you know, with my mom being a doctor and that kind of thing. Um, and they, you know, there were some people who would judge my parents for hiring au pairs and nannies, um, for my sister and me. Um, I actually had, this is a true story. I had one nanny write in one of her college papers stating that my mother abandoned me. Um, and by being a doctor, yes, my mom, my mom accidentally found this paper. Like she came across it when she was grabbing something from the car and she was quickly fired. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Wow. As an almost, as an almost 21 year old, I can wholeheartedly say that I have never felt abandoned by my two working parents. I've never felt abandoned, forgotten, or put on the back burner. Um, My parents work hard, work very hard in their jobs, and they always show up for my sister and me. So whenever I needed them most, they would be there for me no matter what. And that is something that I am you know, obviously all, you know, all fall short of the glory of God, all, you know, my parents obviously, um, you know, have their ups and downs though. This is something that I, I truly, um, feel very passionate about. And, you know, uh, my, so my mom is an OBGYN and, um, as an OBGYN, you are on call, you know, every once in a while, um, for when the babies are born at night. Um, and whenever, (laughs) Whenever my mom was on call growing up, um, my dad, my sister and me would always bring her dinner and we would eat dinner with her at the hospital. Um, and this is just a childhood memory of mine. It's always eating dinner at the hospital with my mom when she was on call. And um, because whenever we always ate dinner together, always. And I know um, later you probably talk a little bit about family dinner and that kind of thing. And um, I think it's so funny how when I was in middle school and I was, you know, talking about how my family, you know, ate together for dinner and my peers would, (laughs) you're like, I'd never heard of such a thing. And, you know, would always eat dinner on their own or on different schedules. But this is, you know, if, you know, if my parents who had full-time jobs could sit down and eat dinner with us, anyone can. (laughs) Um, So, you know, and actually my mom actually gave up obstetrics for a while. Um, and when I was going into high school so that she could be there for me, yeah. um, for, you know, a good, for some crucial years of my life. Sure. And that's incredible. Like the fact yeah. that she gave up something that she passionately loved, 
um, in order to show up for me was huge. Now that social media, you know, is more prevalent. Um, you know, we see a lot of parents who are like scrolling on their phones, their children are kicking and screaming and things like that. We see that in public, a lot of, you know, big scenes. Um, you know, so I'm, you know, I'm a, an emerging adult, so I'm in college now. Um, you know, of course I find my parents scrolling on their phone or their iPads or something like that. And since I'm an adult, you know, it doesn't really bother me. Right. Cause yeah. I, I too scroll on my device. Um, sometimes I, I could argue that maybe they do more than me <laughs> though, because I'm, you know, a self-sufficient, uh, 21 year old, it's, um, it's something that just doesn't bug me. And I'm like, you know, you do you and I do me, <laughs> yes. um, you know, because a toddler is going to need constant attention all the time and that kind of thing. They're going to need their diaper changed and all this, you know, and they're going to get fed every two hours when I can go make myself my own food. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You can um, go make your own dinner. <laughs> yeah. And so, um, and I'm old enough to discern my own screen time as well. Um, you know, when I'm with, um, the eight-year-old, my sister and I mentor, um, I actually purposefully use my phone significantly less, Good. um, because I'm trying to show her, you know, let's have a conversation. Let's talk. Let's, you know, listen to music in the car instead of playing yeah. a game on my phone, that kind of thing. Um, because I want to instill like good conversation, you know, in her, in our little eight-year-old friend and that kind of thing. So I think I definitely see it a lot, like the distracted aspect when it comes to like devices and technology and, and work and that kind of thing. So I think it really comes down to being intentional um, and being, having such intentionality, which my parents definitely did. And when yeah. I was growing up, like I said, I never felt like I was left alone or anything like that. My parents always showed up, even though that they were, you know, working tirelessly at their jobs. Yeah. And, you know, it does, it, and so, it does sound yeah. like they were very intentional. That's the word I wrote down because, you know, yeah. I think there's this perception that if parents have jobs that work a lot of hours, well, then they're, they're not intentional. And it's almost like you have to be like more intentional when you're doing that because you have to sort mm -hmm. of segment your time to, to the priorities that the things that you want to do. I think that's mm -hmm. the sweetest thing thinking about you guys bringing your mom dinner at the hospital. <laughs> I just love yeah. that. You know, yeah. and some of your parents are definitely older than me. So it's like their generation is, it's probably hits them maybe a little bit different. Um, you know, then, you know, to your point about some younger mm -hmm. moms with toddlers and stuff and, you know, we're scrolling on our phones instead of tending to the human that's that we're supposed to be. <laughs> so um, that's good. That's good. Thank you, Claudia. Um, somebody else. What about you guys? I think for me, um, I have a kind of similar experience with Claudia. My mom was a stay at home mom until I was in fifth grade, though. So okay. she was it was a lot easier for her to be present with us yeah. just because she was around all day. Um, but at the same time, like my parents just never were on social media that much, even Facebook, like they had pages and stuff, but they didn't really update it that much or they weren't scrolling on it when I was around, which I think was really helpful just because I felt like my parents actually wanted to be around me and wanted to hang out with me. And I think if we're going to put limits on our children, then we need to put limits on ourselves um, and kind of set yeah. that example because your children do follow you, whether you realize it or not. Mm -hmm. Um but I think I have like kind of like a side example. I guess it's not really like an adult in my life, but I remember I had one babysitter who came over, who was like babysitting like my siblings and I, when we were like a little bit older, Okay. But 
like my siblings and I loved babysitters because we were like, oh my gosh, like someone new to play with. Yeah, yeah. Sat on her phone the entire time. <laughs> and I was like, what the heck? And like, I babysit now. And like, I never am on my phone, like Claudia said. And I don't even have time to be on my phone. And I tend to be with younger children. But at the same time, even with older ones, like we're going out and doing things and playing in the dirt and, you know, like building sandcastles, whatever, like, because that's fun. Like that's what a babysitter is supposed to do. Yeah. And I remember like when my mom came home, I was like crying because my babysitter Aww. was like, the whole time. And like, I think that it's just, that could happen with children too. I mean, if you're yeah. a parent, if you see them as someone you want to relate to and they're just sitting on their phone, like it hurts children more than I think you yeah. realize. Well, and I would argue children are picking up on that more than adults realize, you know, they know that you're looking at the screen instead of them, you're interacting with this instead of them, you're taking a picture and then looking at your pictures instead of like the real version that's right in front of you. And I think that cannot be underestimated, honestly. Woo. All right. This is good. Um, do any of your gentlemen want to comment on this one or should I move on to I think it's just a, a cool point to make that like kids kind of learn from behaviors and if they see their parents consistently on their phones uh, I mean when I was growing up like my parents were not uh, my parents are not techie at all yeah so I didn't really get that uh, like they were distracted by their devices or anything mm -hmm. um, my mom was a stay-at-home mom for a while as well and she was with me and my brother both okay um but yeah, I kind of, I mean, just looking back on it, I did learn from my mom's behavior of trying to like take us out and do things. And personally myself, I'm, I'm more of a, like, let's go out and do things kind of person. Mm -hmm. And that might be, uh, as a result, I'm not sure. I also didn't state my name before when I talked, my name is Steve Satanino. Hello. Hello everybody. All right. Steve, how do you say your last name again? <laughs> you say it. Quick. Satanino. There you go. <laughs> He's got his fingers in the air, just like Satanino. you're imagining. <laughs> Good. <laughs> Good. Um, okay. I wanted to ask you guys, um, what is the best value that your parents have instilled in you and how did they do it? Because here's, and here's why I asked, because like, I think, you know, and you guys just talked a lot about modeling and I think that's really important. It's like maybe there's a parent over here and they're trying to like nail into you like discipline, like not, not like disciplining you, but to like be a disciplined person. But then like over here, they're actually like really a generous person and you see them being generous, like with their time and their money. And so like, they're so focused on discipline, but like really what you think is awesome is like, they taught you to be a generous person. Like, I think like, like what would you guys say is a value in that category? Um, I have something written down for this. Okay, too. Claudia. Of course. Oh, I love it. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm, I'm a little bit extra when it comes to this. Stuff. <laughs> um, so I've actually vowed to give a TED talk to myself about this very subject. Oh. Um, <laughs> Um, and it, it is how I am never bored. Um, so when my sister and I were young, my mother told us to eliminate the phrase I'm bored from our vocabulary. Um, she said, there's always something you can clean, you can read oh, or do. 
clean reader um, writing this down. Uh, <laughs> this has changed my life. And I, and I am serious when I'm saying this completely changed my life. I have literally never been bored. I, and I can wholeheartedly say that. Um, I am doing homework. I am talking to a friend. I am doing embroidery <laughs> or even purposefully, intentionally resting. Um, there is never a moment where I have said, wow, I'm bored <laughs> because I take time to wind down um, by maybe watching some Netflix while doing my nails <laughs> or maybe I'm doing a face mask while listening to a podcast. Uh, <laughs> Take in mind, like my parents were in the military, right? So productivity, work ethic, maximum efficiency <laughs> is are all things that were deeply uh, instilled in me. Yeah. So I really would not have it any other way. When people say that they're bored, I seriously cannot relate <laughs> because yeah. yes, I have completely I taken it out of my vocabulary. I never say the word. I never do. It's never in my mindset has been completely changed. I'm always doing something and always, I always feel so fulfilled and I'm actively resting. Resting is a thing to do. Um, I love taking naps. There's no shame in it. No shame. <laughs> do it while you, know? you still can. So, <laughs> yeah. Claudia, I have so to say, what... I want to, I want to eliminate, I am bored from my vocabulary now. There you go. I was like, that like totally impressed me I'm like that's a totally different way of like looking at things it's it there has is because there is always something to do like there yeah is. there is um yeah Steve like I'm serious it really has changed my life it's actually it's helped me grow in my faith right because if I'm bored maybe I should talk to God some you know <laughs> <laughs> that kind of thing maybe I should read my bible um maybe you know maybe that friend that has popped up in my head that um, I haven't talked to in a while. Maybe I need, should reach out to them, have coffee with them, that yeah. kind of thing. Um, you know, it's just, you know, people are like, well, don't you get, you know, tired or isn't that like so tiring to always be doing something? I'm like, not at all. Like I, I wouldn't have it any other way because, you know, it's very regimented. Yes. Though, like I said, with rest, like, it's very important to be like, all right, I'm setting time aside to have time to myself and that kind of thing. But I think that's an excellent distinction. You're resting because it's purposeful, but you're yes, not yeah. like you're not like on a treadmill running a marathon. All right, time. like it's it's right. part of like what can be fulfilling. You know, yeah. I, I I say that I never get bored either because I mean I could <laughs> I, I I'm one of those people who buys books because I'm so inspired and like I hardly ever get to reading the whole thing. Like I'll read a couple chapters. <laughs> And then I'll My buy the next the book because I'm so excited about that book. And then I have like stack, 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 stack. And I can always think of a house project. I mean, I could never in a million years. Morgan, go ahead. Oh, thank you. <laughs> um, I think mine would be kind of going off Claudia's end of hers, but it's faith. My parents definitely instilled that in me. But I think the clear thing is that they didn't force me to have that value. Yeah but that they consistently, they were consistently taking me to church and consistently encouraging me to join a youth group, but as I felt led, not as they made me. Mm. Um, but they also like just took time to answer my questions about faith or about life, you know, through that like perspective. Yeah. And then they lived out their faith themselves. Both my parents worked in ministry okay. when I was a kid 
And so that was also really helpful just because that's, that's literally how they were living their lives. And even if like you don't have a faith, I think that it just goes to show like whatever you are prioritizing in life matters to your kids. Like my, my parents had faith at the core of who they were. And so that's something that I picked up from them and now it's completely my own, but it wouldn't, I wouldn't have been able to do that if it weren't for their guidance in the beginning. Good. I love that. I love that. And I like how you said, you know, they, they encouraged you, but they really gave you sort of the responsibility to like take the next steps or get involved. So I think that gives you so much more ownness in the process um, that is going to be more long lasting rather than like making you go to X, Y, and Z. Yeah. I really love that, Morgan. I can, I can relate to that a lot. That's good. All right, Steve, what were you going to say? Um, I guess two sides of the coin, uh, something that I didn't like, like my, I guess more like my mom. So my dad kind of picked up for it. Okay. Uh, my mom like was just super, like always positive, always making sure that I felt good. And, uh, like just for an example, like if I play, if I, if I went out and I pitched in a game baseball, I play baseball. Um, and I didn't have a particularly good day that day. Either way, I was coming off the field. My mom was like, oh, yeah, you did great. Like, it's okay. You're fine. Um, but my dad, on the other hand, he would, like, I'd ask him how I'd do. And then he'd look at me. He's like, how do you think you did? <laughs> and uh, I guess that kind of, the way that my dad was kind of taught me to, like, be, like, my best critic be my own best critic Mm -hmm. and to like self-evaluate my important my performances and what I could have done better myself uh because at the end of the day you kind of have to self-evaluate yourself yeah and another thing that I love that my parents both instilled in me is my work ethic Mm -hmm. um both of my parents all the time they always told me like whatever I do in life they don't care what I do end up doing as long as I give my 110 percent effort at it at like at all times yeah. They don't care if I end up as a burger flipper at McDonald's. I better be the best damn burger flipper they got. There you go. I like it. And uh, I don't know. That's kind of just like really resonated in me with throughout my entire life, whether it's school, baseball, work, um, my own creative endeavors. Um, if I'm passionate about it, I'm putting my 110, 120% effort in. Um, and it's kind of like made me t- learn a lot about myself because. I notice when I am getting lazy, it's not that I'm lazy. It's just that I'm disinterested. Yeah. And there is, and uh, there's a total, there's, I feel like there's a total difference because there's, there's, there's things that I'm, that I'm in. If I'm going to be blunt, it is school. Like honestly (laughs) going to class and doing homework and not getting paid kind of is a drag, but (laughs) Um, a very important piece of paper. Oh, it is a very important piece, but, um, but it made me realize like more of like what I want out of life and, um, what I want to work hard at. And, uh, I don't know. I can't thank them enough for it. That's awesome. A good, a good work ethic. I feel like is so valuable because to your point, it doesn't matter what you do, but if you stick with it, it, it'll pay off. Good. Mm -hmm. All right. Um, Daryl. Yep. Um, so 
one thing that my parents have always taught me was to enjoy life. Like there's going to be a bunch of difficult times, especially like around this time with COVID, Black Lives Matter. Don't ever go out of your way and feel disheartened at yeah. all. You know, you should just always enjoy your life no matter what. Even if you have a lot of work, take a deep breath, calm down and go back in with like full out 100% energy, like no matter what. So I feel like that was my whole motto from middle school, from a different school mm -hmm. through high school up to now. And it's still probably going to, it's still definitely going to be there. And like, if I could look at them now, I can say that they're enjoying life right now too, because everything that has happened in all the time, like these past 21 years, mm -hmm. so many troubles, but so many great moments have happened when the whole family's together when everybody's enjoying themselves. And then when you go back to work, you can go back re-energized. That's right. So that's one big thing that I've always looked up for my parents for doing. And that's something that I'm always gonna pass down to. Yes. Work, at, work ethic is gonna like, going to take you so much, like so far. Yes. Like you can't get that much stuff without having the motivation or the dedication for something that you love. And yeah. that's what is so great about having two parents that's always going to be by your side. Yeah. You know, like Darrow, I feel like you're a very even keeled guy. And I feel like that's such a valuable <laughs> characteristic in a person because I feel like it, these days, like people are like flying off the handles and, they, you know, or they're all the way, you know, depressed down low or like, and I feel like you are like the same Daryl every day. And I cannot tell you as a professor how much I appreciate that. Like, you're just going to show up and you're, you seemingly are always in a good mood, but like, I just mm -hmm. feel like even keeled is like so underrated and it is an awesome, awesome uh, value in a person. And I feel like that's kind of what you're saying. This idea that, you know, I mean, there are going to be troubles. I mean, we know in this yeah. world, you will have troubles. <laughs> You're going to have a lot of them, actually. Um, and I think that's a great insight. That's good. All right, Millen, you're last. I got to put you on the spot. What about you? Yeah, so you guys also said really great, great things. Um, but for me, I would say that something my father stated was like something that I grew up with for a while. He said he learned from his dad, too. And it's, he always say this statement to me sometimes, like, if you don't ask, the answer is no. Hmm. And this just stems all the way back from when I was younger in a restaurant. It's like, oh, like, um, they got this order wrong, or can I get onions on this McChicken in a McDonald's? Like, some random things like that. They're like, yeah, no, and just ask first. And then you see if they'll comply. And then I ask, and then I, and I'm like the only kid that has onion on his McChicken. I'm all pumped <laughs> and excited. And it stems, like, from those things. And it basically taught me to, like, uh, pursue opportunities and tasks and take more initiative and things. Yeah. And as, as a younger person, I definitely was more timid up, timid and shy, like, especially like my younger adolescence. So that definitely helped me grow yeah. into something much more. And I also look, look up, looked up to him a lot because um, he grew up in India when he was born there. Mm -hmm. And 
he was only one of his five siblings that never like left to like pursue bigger things. I mean, he went to like create like Saudi Arabia, like looked into Europe a little bit, then Canada, then eventually here. And it really just um, just motivates me to do like you can do so much more than you really believe on, yeah. if you want to pursue something like that. So I thought that was something that's really cool, and definitely motivates me to just reach out to like professors like you, Dr. Mack, or like guidance, like um, career career counselors, all those yep. things. This is awesome. I feel like I should just like clip what each of you just said and like just make little social media quote cards that people can just share with all their people because those are um do it really valuable <laughs> i think this is going to be excellent i feel like all my friends are going to be texting me and asking questions and probably when i said babysit their kids and stuff so sorry about that <laughs> but, um thank you all for good all good <laughs> i really appreciate this of course Y'all enjoy your day tomorrow. I will see you on Thursday. I very much appreciate your time. This was so fun. Let's do it again. All right. All right. All right. Thanks for having me. All right. See you guys. Thanks again. Later. Thanks for listening in today. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to rate and review us wherever you're listening to this podcast. Be sure to share with us on Instagram what you liked most about the episode by tagging me at Susanna.McMonagle. And lastly, if you want more information about the 5 to 8 shift, you can check out our website, the5to8shift.com. We'll see you guys next time.